Hi, everybody. Today is Friday, and I am so excited to be bringing you guys a special episode of Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. We have a wonderful guest today. And Wednesday was all about women's health and how we as females can optimize our wellness and our well-being. And today it's all about the guys. So we're going to be talking about how to optimize men's health and what every man needs to know about testosterone. I'm super excited about this topic. I think it can benefit a lot of people. I've been getting a lot of comments and emails about today's topic. So I am ready to learn a lot. Dr. Linda, how are you? Yeah, great. Happy Friday with our special, we say our special session. Uh, fabulous Friday, Fitness Friday is going to be all about men today. So I'm excited that we have this guest and I'm going to go ahead and do the intro. I've been listening. I've just been binging on Dr. Tracy Gappin. He's a medical doctor. He's a certified board urologist, men's health expert. He's a professional speaker, author. He's got a private practice in Florida. Happily married. He's got two boys. Like, I know everything about him. <laughs> well, not everything, but a lot about him. And um, he's been in practice for over 20 years. And really, he's one of the thought leaders when it comes to men's health and optimization and, and precision medicine. So because he gets to use all these cutting edge tools and protocols. So it's really cool when you have someone that you can connect with because he also does coach a lot of Fortune 500 executives, entrepreneurs, and just you know a lot of leaders of the business that they wanna they wanna kick butt in life and they wanna have that high that high performance and just have that edge. So you know they seek him out. The coolest thing he's got a book out. So I just ordered it. So I can't wait to read it because I have five brothers. I have my husband. I have lots of men that are in my life that I really you know want to be able to contribute to their health as well. So, and he's also, um, he's a best-selling author of that book. It's Male 2.0, Cracking the Code to Limitless Health and Vitality. So that's awesome. And he's also a contributing author. And I just ordered this book as well as Dr. Um, Larissa had mentioned, Codes of Longevity. So um, I'm more in that age group than you are. So, you know, um, I'm excited about that. And yeah, so let's bring him on. Definitely. Let's bring him on. Dr. Gappin, how are you? Hey there. Great. How are you today? Happy we Friday. Phenomenal. Happy Friday to you. Can you, you introduce yourself to our audience in your own words? Sure, sure. My name is Dr. Tracy Gappin. I'm a board-certified urologist and men's health optimization expert. Uh, I've been in urology for 20 years now, and uh, over the past five years, I have really focused my attention and passion and energy to optimizing men. Um, I use uh, a lot of cutting edge tools like epigenetics and uh, your genetic blueprint. And um, I'm uh, deep into hormone optimization and peptide therapy and using biometric data through your wearable tech to create real actionable change. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. We are super excited to have you. Thank you. So what are like I, being a urologist, a lot of some people just think, you know, I kind of want to get some of the questions that have been sent to me ahead of time before we get into the, the real meat and potatoes of precision medicine. But as a urologist, most people think, oh, I'm going to go see this this doctor, you know, the men say because I have prostate itch, issues. Um, can you kind of explain a little bit and, you know, what's the cause behind that? So there's a lot of theories that it 
well, we're not sure, but there could be metabolic issues that, that kind of contribute to that. Yeah. So, so uh, your question leads into really what got me here where I am today. And I think that I think I'm going to answer your question okay. in a little bit of a circuitous route. So, so I'll try to be brief. About five years ago, I was going through my own health issues where I was busy in my practice. I was um, stressed out, wasn't eating well, wasn't sleeping, eating like crap, about 25 pounds overweight. And I felt awful. And my wife pushed me to finally go get my first physical ever as doctors were terrible about taking care of ourselves, of course. And so I went for my first physical ever. And, and that was a really eye-opening experience because this uh, primary care doctor tells me uh, after looking at my labs and examining me that my cholesterol numbers were sky high, my kidney function numbers were off. And um, he really kind of uh, opened my eyes to the fact that I was overweight and I needed to make a change. Well, the obvious question is, okay, doc, what do I do? And that was probably the defining moment of my life because this medical doctor who went through medical education here in the United States, uh, like I did, tells me I need to eat more vegetables and exercise more and maybe take a statin. That was it. Mm -hmm. that, that's all I gave. And I left disillusioned but terrified as well for my own mortality. But it made me really shift my entire thinking and realize that this disease model world that we're in, this urology world that I'm in every day that you asked me about, Linda, is broken. You know, guys come in to see me for their little 10 minute window appointment and I'll do a quick prostate exam and talk to them and, and give them some tips and, and prescribe a medication or recommend a surgery and they're out the door. And there's nothing done to actually promote health. It's all disease model. That means I am, I am reacting to a disease. I, I am reacting to a problem with a medication, a prescription medication that's run by pharmaceutical industry or offering a surgery. There is no time. There is no focus. There's no energy. And there's actually no understanding of how to promote health and how to promote longevity and how to prevent chronic disease and, and optimize metabolic health. And I experienced that myself with my own health issues. And I realized that all these men that I was treating up until then, I really didn't have those tools either because I went through that same medical education that every other medical defining moment for me where it shifted my perspective. I went back to school, so to speak. So over the last five years, I've been studying epigenetics and functional medicine and uh, anti-aging medicine and um, learning about peptide therapy and hormone optimization and going to conferences and, um, you know, really becoming a student again so that I can provide that men, what men need. Mm -hmm. Dr. Tracy, you bring up such an important point, and we were covering slightly this topic with that with the doctor that we had on Wednesday. Because as a nurse, I'm a nurse practitioner. I also had the same experience, right? You go through the whole nursing program, and then if you're a nurse practitioner, you get to that specialty, and never ever is either mindset or uh, prevention really an important part of any mm -hmm. type of curriculum in school. And it's not until one of us has that realization, whether it's because something happens in our own lives or maybe because we feel like we're not helping enough. You know, we're just prescribing and prescribing and prescribing and the patients are not getting better. They seem to mm. be worse that we come to that realization about how the medical system works and what we are actually doing unless we do something different for our patients. So it's, it's, it's so amazing that you're bringing that point up because I felt it as well. And I've been feeling it in my practice as well. Yeah. So what are those things, talking about prevention, what are those things that you would say are, let's say, most important for men to, to practice prevention and optimize their health? 
Yeah. So I have created what I call the Mel 2.0 protocol, which is um, uh, focusing on all areas of, of health that men need. And, and male is an acronym. M is mindset and stress. A is aging and hormones. L is lifestyle, which includes fitness, uh, sleep, and nutrition. And then E is environment, where we look at environmental exposures, chemicals, toxins, and endocrine disruptors is what the, mm-hmm. the scientific term for them, uh, gut health, and, and uh, immune function. And so by looking at basically uh, those six areas of health, if you will, that's how um, I, I get guys on track, reverse disease, uh, promote health. And, um, you know, a lot of guys will come to me and they've been to the local tea clinic and they've gotten their testosterone shots and they still feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And they're like, doc, something's wrong here. What, what's going on? Do I need more tea? And I'm like, no, that's not the answer. You know, that's going to get you, you know, maybe 10 to 20% of what you need to truly optimize your health. And so that's where we look at, um, you know, sleep, stress, nutrition, fitness, hormones, and detox. And those six areas of health are, are all important. And if you miss any one of those pieces of the bigger puzzle, then you're wasting your time. Mm. Yeah, because so many men think that, oh, the testosterone is going to fix everything. Right. But really, it's almost like useless without those four pillars that you were talking about, especially the mindset. And coming from a man, I think it's important that men should, that's just something they don't tap into as much as women. I mean, we're all about mindset. I do that a lot in the practice. It's just like, where do you want to be? You have to have a vision of Mm -hmm. who do you want to become? You, we have to become a new person and we get to create a new identity. And I love how, that's one of the first questions you ask them, right? I mean, because that's what the M stands for. Right. The M is mindset because it starts with with mindset. And and my first question is, what is your why? You know, similar to your question, mine is, what is your why? You know, why do you care? What's the purpose? And, and it, it most guys will say, well, I want to lose 20 pounds. No, no, no. Like BS. Like we're, we're going much deeper than that. Yeah. And and typically we'll get down to an emotional, true, underlying why. And that may be they want to feel loved. They simply just want to feel loved by their partner. It may be something very deep like that. And so once you get to the core, then they have something to focus on, grab a hold of, and that's their guiding star so that um, every day, every decision they make, they have something that they can uh, focus on and what I call living with intention so that everything they, every decision they make is in alignment with that intention. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there with they want to feel loved because a lot of times when I have couples come in, they'll come in together. Usually it's always the female. It's usually the wife. And then she brings a husband and then she's telling me everything what he's doing wrong. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're here to encourage him. Let's look at what he's doing right. Step one, he's here. I said, you have to be his biggest cheerleader. And we don't sometimes women, we don't realize that. So I love that you bring that that point because yeah. we as as their partners, their their cheerleaders, they have to hear that from us. Otherwise they're mm-hmm. like, no, why should I do this anyways? Right. That's a really good a good point there. Exactly. Dr. Gappin, since we are kind of talking and in the subject of testosterone, why don't you tell us what is testosterone and what would be the signs and symptoms and actually also how to check testosterone and what would be the signs of symptoms of someone who may be deficient in sure. testosterone? Sure. So testosterone is a steroid hormone. It is important for both men and women, actually, and it provides a lot of uh, basic uh, important physiologic functions. It helps with metabolism. It helps with uh, cognitive function. It helps with um, energy. It's important for building muscle, burning fat. Um, It's important for bone health. 
Um, it's important for men when it comes to sexual function. Uh, it's important to both men and women when it comes to libido. Um, and so it has a number of very important physiologic functions. And so it's not just about sex. Or it's not just about muscle, as a lot of guys think. <laughs> How do you check it? It's simply a blood test. And we typically recommend checking it in the morning because that's when the levels are the highest. So we want to see what your peak testosterone levels are. So we'll check it in the morning. Now, an important part of that is most men, when they go to get a testosterone level check, they'll only check their total testosterone. And the problem with that is total testosterone is not bioavailable. It's not able to be used by your body. So you have something called free testosterone, which is the testosterone in your bloodstream that is not bound to proteins, not bound to specifically SHBG or sex hormone binding globulin mm -hmm. is the most common protein in the blood that will bind up testosterone. Any testosterone that's not bound to proteins can enter into the cell and have its effect. If it's bound to proteins, it cannot get through the cell wall and have its effect. And so that's why free testosterone is what's critically important. Mm -hmm. So an analogy that I'll, I'll use for men is your total testosterone is your army. Your free testosterone are the soldiers with guns. Mm -hmm. And so it's the free testosterone, which is really your bioavailable testosterone that's most important and really the only physiologically active form of your testosterone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That is so important to mention because I have seen it as well, where most of the time only the total testosterone gets ordered and mm -hmm. then a lot of decisions get made based on simply that blood test. Right. And that really then I have gone also in past episodes back and forth um, with this for the audience in regards to thyroid hormones and some other hormones mm -hmm. that checked appropriately. So testosterone is also one of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they definitely all interact. The, the adrenal hormones, your thyroid hormone, your testosterone, they all intricately intersect. And I, I like to call it a symphony of hormones where you cannot just focus on testosterone. Mm -hmm. Other tests that you did, you also check is you mentioned something about even with the adrenals like DHEA, mm -hmm. melatonin, yeah. because sleep is so important. And yeah. I know in the last episode, Dr. Lariso says sleep is um, sleep is queen. So then what would be king? <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny you say that she and I, uh, Dr. Lariso, who I love, she's awesome. Uh, we're on a podcast interview together with uh, Pete Turner. This is maybe six months ago or so. And he asked each of us, what's the single most important aspect of health? And each of us independently said sleep. So we definitely both agreed on the value of, of sleep. And, and, and in men in particular, they tend to underestimate sleep. Um, before I had my health transformation five years ago, I would stay up till one in the morning and then I wake up at five thirty six, and I'm fine. Yeah. You know, it doesn't affect me at all, you know, and men have that, that belief that it's not affecting you, but it really is. It's having a profound effect. You know, when you don't sleep well, what happens is, um, and what does well mean? I'll get to that next. Uh, but when you don't sleep well, it affects cortisol. So it raises cortisol. So you have chronically elevated cortisol. What does that do? Well, that suppresses testosterone, suppresses thyroid function. It suppresses your ability to burn fat and metabolize and your ability to build muscle. It affects your uh, mood and your um, personality. And it has this cascading effect simply by not sleeping well. And so that's, you know, going back to those six areas of health again, um, sleep is one of the most important aspects of that because that has such a profound effect on everything else. Mm -hmm. Now, sleep, uh, what does it mean by sleeping well? You know, it's not just the quantity of sleep, but the quality is what's important as well. 
And so for the clients who work with me, they all have a wearable device. Like I'm wearing a Garmin and I'm wearing my Aura ring as well because uh, sometimes one will track better than the other. Um, but they'll all use some sort of device to track their sleep because it's not just the duration of sleep that's important. It's the quality of sleep as well. And by that, we're talking about the uh, REM sleep phase and the deep sleep phase. And those phases of sleep each have different, very important physiologic functions that are important for restorative uh, qualitative sleep. Mm -hmm. That is so important. Yeah. A lot of healing happens in sleep. I mean, we as women call it beauty sleep because that's when we're regenerating our skin and you wake up looking, when you get to bed, at least my guideline for a lot of patients is I want you in bed kind of getting ready by nine, hopefully you're sleeping by 10 and you know, you get that really quality restorative sleep between 10 and two, 10 and three, as long as it's um, not interrupted, you don't have to get up and go urinate right. with a dog or whatever, but having a, a device to track, I think is very important. Can you share a little bit more about that aura ring? Cause I know you use a lot of sure. trackable devices with your patients, especially with men for them. They want to see something tangible. You can right. tell them something, but as soon as you show them labs and you look, you show them the numbers or mm -hmm. it's, it's a different story. Right. I, I really take a data driven approach. And so it's getting that information, that biometric data from your device that's so valuable to understand um, how you're sleeping. So you mentioned waking up at night, you know, when you have disrupted sleep. So whether it's the dog barking or restless leg or so many men have sleep apnea, it's, it's very underdiagnosed uh, sleep apnea. And uh, so people are waking up throughout the night and it's important to understand when you first fall asleep, you go into REM sleep, which is the dream state of sleep. You then go into light stage of sleep and then finally into dark or into deep stage of sleep. And then you come back up and it's a cycle and you go through three or four cycles a night. And again, it's very important that you get that REM sleep as well as the deep sleep. If you are waking up throughout the night, every time you fall back asleep, you start that cycle all over again. Mm -hmm. So what happens, especially in the first half of the evening, most of your deep sleep, you get in the first half of the, of your sleep. Most of your REM sleep, you get in the second half of your, of your sleep. So if you're disrupting your sleep, especially in that first half of the night, you're losing all of your deep sleep. And that is without question, the most important aspect of sleep when it comes to growth hormone levels and uh, memory and restorative functions, like you're talking about and healing of your body. So um, keeping people asleep, and so they don't wake up and non-disturbed is really important. Mm -hmm. Dr. Gappin, in my practice, I have found that one of the things that for men, especially as they age, one of the things that affects their sleep the most is having to get up to urinate frequently. Mm -hmm. And many times this is a prostate problem. So it's not just about testosterone, but it's about prostate uh, you know, enlargement and can prostate cancer. And there is some other concerns that you probably see very commonly in your office. Can you touch about that a little bit, please? Sure. Yeah. So it, it's interesting you bring that up because it, that's a, a very common complaint. Uh, almost every man I see in my medical disease model urology world mm -hmm. would complain about that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting. There are men who have trouble all day, who have frequent urination, difficulty, hesitancy, urinating, can't empty all the way, all, all during the day and at night as well. Those guys have prostate issues and those guys need help with their prostate and they, they, they certainly need, um, you know, whether it's medication therapy, they need a good exam to rule out prostate cancer, um, but they definitely need attention to the prostate. But interestingly, I'll see a lot of people who will tell me they're fine all day, no problems at all during the day. They go, you know, once every four or five, six hours, not a big deal, but then at night they're up every hour. That's a very different picture. 
And I'll tell you what's surprising is most of those people actually have sleep apnea. Mm, what's, ha what's happening is they're waking up because of sleep apnea. They have an apneic episode. They wake up and our body, our ref our, our brain has a reflex, an internal arc. As soon as you wake up, I got to pee. Mm. Huh. Now, is that what actually woke you up? That's the critical question. And so for a lot of people, I will send them to have a, to a sleep lab or have a sleep study done at home. You can have home testing done now where mm -hmm. I'll test them for sleep apnea. And I would say probably of all the sleep studies I do, probably maybe two thirds or three quarters of them will come back as having sleep apnea. And you, you fix the sleep apnea and their nighttime urination problem completely goes away. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. wow. And so, so oftentimes guys come in thinking it's a prostate problem when in fact it's a sleep apnea problem. That is such an important top, uh, yeah. subject and such an important point and distinction that you're making by simply realizing if you're urinating all day long or if it's only at night. So that's mm -hmm. basically the only thing that kind of rings the bell for sleep apnea. Yeah. Your, I mean, bla your bladder cannot see the sun and it doesn't have a watch. So it doesn't know what time <laughs> it is. <laughs> doesn't have a circadian rhythm, huh? That's right. That's, right. Yeah. that's a good point. I love it. <laughs> what are some of like, are you starting to see male patients that have older problems that men have now at a younger age? Because mm -hmm. we typically see like men kind of have more concerns with their prostate, you know, maybe in their 50s and 60s. Are you starting to see that with younger men now because of the whole environmental issues? Is there any impact? You know what? I am seeing an incredibly increased number of younger men with um, with. Uh, men's health problems, whether it's obesity, whether it's uh, low testosterone, whether it's issues with sexual health, um, and some of them have prostate issues or, or urinary issues as well. Um, there were three fascinating studies that came out of the U.S., Sweden, and Finland. All three of those studies showed longitudinal studies at least 10 years long showed a profound drop in testosterone worldwide of about 30% over the last 30 years. Wow. Wow. So you take a 50-year-old man today, he has a 30% lower total testosterone level than a 50-year-old man 30 years ago. And the free testosterone, which again is more important, is down by about 40%. So I, I can't tell you how many men I'll see in their 30s who come in with low, low, low testosterone levels and they're obese and they have poor sexual function and um, they are uh, you know, showing signs of insulin resistance or early diabetes and, um, and they're in trouble. And so it's a real problem. I, I call it an epidemic. I call it a men's health epidemic. And you know, fertility numbers are, are dropping precipitously as well at a similar pace as testosterone. And, you know, I made a very bold statement that if we don't change something in 20 years from now, the entire male population is going to be impotent and infertile yeah. because of the effect we're seeing on testicular function. I, I believe that 100% because where we are today compared to where we're 20 or 30 years ago, I mean, with in, in the environment, not only that, but medication, um, electronics, I would say, you know, some of the things that we think that are uh, kind of moving us in the positive direction, it's almost like we're taking two steps forward, but three steps back because it is impacting our health. And especially right now, right. going through this pandemic that so many people are just sedentary, they're in front of their computers, their, their neck is flexed forward, you know, on their phone or, or whatever. And so we are seeing um, a lot of those issues right now. And it's, it's scary. And you have two young boys. So 
having, you know, that's those those guys are our future. So what would you tell a man that is, you know, at that age, maybe he's in his thirties, he's yeah. starting to have kids about, you know, they don't think they're going to have problems. They're like, you know, I'm 30, I'm 29. Right. Um, you know, I'm full of testosterone. <laughs> yeah. So, and I got to jump in. I have a, a seven-year-old son and I actually have a five-year-old daughter. Oh, so a daughter. I, okay. It's okay. I, I, can't, girl I, power. I, can't, I can't neglect my sweet little princess. Yeah. So I had to bring her, had to bring her up. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. Um, but, but you bring up a great point. And, and this ties into the, the common question when we talk about this is why? Mm-hmm. Why is it that men have testosterone levels 30% lower than they did 30 years ago. Well, what is it? Well, it's not just Western diet because the studies in Sweden and Finland were showing similar outcomes as the U.S. study. And so I believe the answer really is endocrine disruptors. And endocrine disruptors are – it's a scientific fancy word for chemicals in our environment that are crushing our health. And these chemicals can cause low testosterone, obviously. They can cause autoimmune disease. They can cause insulin resistance and diabetes. They can actually promote the development of, of cancers, precocious puberty and obesity. I think I already mentioned, um, and all kinds of other uh, chronic diseases. And so these chemicals in our environment, I believe is the underlying source of this problem. And so where are these chemicals we're talking about? Well, the biggest one is plastic water bottles. Mm-hmm. So plastic water bottles are uh, made of BPA and phthalates. <laughs> BPA and phthalates um, have been shown in several studies to crush testosterone levels. This On this planet, we go through about a million water bottles a minute. A million water bottles a minute. And, and that those plastics are leaching into our water. Our food supply, you know, we always hear about glyphosate. Well, the second most commonly used herbicide is atrazine. Atrazine has been shown in studies at very low quantities to turn frogs, male frogs, into female frogs that can actually lay eggs and reproduce. That's insane. We are eating foods that are covered in atrazine at infinitely higher levels than those poor little frogs. So we can look at our food supply. We can look at uh, you know food containers like uh, any metal can is lined with BPA plastic on the inside. All of the food containers at the grocery store uh, that people heat up in the microwave, you know, th- those plastics are leaching into our, our food and into our water. We can look at our personal care products like our deodorants and our shampoos and soaps and uh, laundry detergent, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all uh, leaching uh, through our skin and getting absorbed, and they're causing significant hormonal issues. K cups, I'm the coffee fanatic hiccups that plastic when you heat it as water goes through it you're absorbing those plastics and so i can go on and on and i've given talks on this on stage about um, how we can mitigate our exposure to these these uh environmental chemicals and so coming back full circle i'm sorry that was a long worded answer to your question is to these 30 year old men who ask what can i do is do everything they can to mitigate exposure to these chemicals and upregulate or turn on their detox function pathways to help their body fight those chemicals. Can you give an example of that? Yes. So, um, so glutathione, for example. So, when I work with with my clients, we start with a genetic blueprint, genetic panel, mm-hmm. swab, send it off to the lab. We get about seven hundred fifty thousand SNPs, and I look at about. Um, 760 or 770 of them in particular, specifically looking at, again, those six areas of health that I mentioned. And there are genetics related to your detox pathways, specifically glutathione, 
um, catalase and um, some other very important aspects of your um, antioxidant systems in your body, your, your detox pathways. And we can upregulate those. You know, some, some people may need NAC or glutathione, or some people can benefit from other micronutrients that they need. Um, it's very individualized. So when we look at um, mitigating exposure, that's one thing everybody can be doing that, filtering your water, not using plastic food containers, choosing the right personal care products, um, and so on. But then taking it to another level, we can use your genetics to really understand how do we turn on your detox system to have the most optimal prevention strategy. Mm. And just for the audience who's watching, we did have an episode and I was trying to look up the exact date of the episode. I don't have it, but I can put it in the comments section with a doctor who is an environmental expert. And she talked about a lot of these chemical exposures. She has a book, wonderful book that um, it's out for to be able to be uh, purchased. And it's all about how we can all protect ourselves from all of the environmental chemicals that are attacking us today. So I just want to bring that up. And Dr. Gavin, moving on to um, BPH, because it's such a common topic and it's, it's very common, at least with my patients, I see it all the time. I would say that at least one out of every three men experience some sort of BPH symptoms at some point in their lives. So it's pretty impactful. How, what are the symptoms? How do you diagnose it? When do you start seeing it? Can you tell us a little bit about BPH, please? Sure. So BPH or benign prostatic hypertrophy is uh, really a, a medical term for prostate enlargement. And prostate enlargement is, is something that most men will experience as they age. It is hormonally driven. Uh, we used to think it was testosterone driving prostate enlargement, but we now think it's probably more likely a combination of testosterone, but more importantly, estrogen causing prostate growth as men age. And uh, it's to be distinguished from prostate cancer. So the, the anatomy of the prostate is uh, somewhat like an orange, if you will, where you have, and the urethra, the urinary channel runs right through the middle of your orange. And you have the rind, which is the peripheral zone of the prostate, and you have the pulp, which is the transition zone. And as men age, their lime becomes an orange, becomes a grapefruit. Mm. The pulp continues to grow and grow and grow, causing obstruction of the urethra, uh, which gives men the urinary symptoms such as you know difficulty urinating, hesitancy, slow stream, can't empty completely, uh, urinate often, uh, urgency where they gotta go right away or they may have some leakage. Um, Urinary infections, bleeding uh, can be signs of, of more advanced prostate enlargement. That's to be distinguished from prostate cancer. Prostate cancer will typically not give you any symptoms at all because 95% of prostate cancers are in that rind that I was mentioning, the outer part of the prostate. Mm -hmm. And so it's not affecting the urinary channel at all unless it's very, very advanced. That's also why when we do a, a prostate exam in men, we do it through the rectum because you're examining the outer surface of that prostate, uh, again, the peripheral zone, feeling for any lumps or bumps or nodules. So BPH or prostate enlargement is simply that pulp enlarging as men age uh, from hormonal stimulation that causes worsening obstruction of the bladder outlet and, um, and the symptoms that go along with it. Dr. Tracy, I have a question about testing really quick for BPH. In my practice, I always do uh, PSA and then I do the digital rectal exam. 
And then I had some colleagues that were telling me, well, the digital rectal exam is not necessarily as often, you know, as used and it's not as useful and all these things. So it's not necessarily the, the need, it's not necessarily as important. However, I feel like it is because I can't lab, there's always a possibility in my opinion of lab error, right? But what I can feel with my hands, I, I know what I'm feeling. So what is your take about PSA and digital rectal exams? Are they really needed? How often should men be doing all these yeah. things? Or how is the best way to screen? When I was in medical school, I had a general surgery attending physician who told us that there are only two reasons to not do a rectal exam on your patient. Two reasons. One is they don't have a rectum. Okay? <laughs> They've had it surgically removed. Okay. Or two, you don't have a finger. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Those are the only two reasons not to rectal. Yeah, that, that's, what I was, that's what I was taught in training. Okay. Um, joking aside, um, it, you know, a rectal exam is important for routine screening for prostate cancer. Um, yes, you can feel the general size of the prostate, get an idea of how large, how how much enlargement there is. But the real purpose of rectal exams is to search for uh, to identify prostate cancers. Now, when you're you're screening for prostate cancer, which is a little off topic here, but I think this answers your question. Um, when we're screening for prostate cancer, uh, it's it, there's twofold. It's a PSA and a rectal exam mm -hmm. because some prostate cancers will be identified by an elevated PSA, even though the rectal exam is normal. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there are many prostate cancers that will be identified by an abnormal rectal exam, even though the PSA is normal. Yes. And those actually tend to be higher grade, more aggressive cancers as well. And so in this day and age, you know, this, this issue of do we need to do rectal exams or not ha has really come about because most cancers are now found through PSA. Probably 95% of prostate cancers are typically identified through routine PSA screening. And so that brings up the question, well, do you need to do a rectal exam? And, you know, in general, men between the ages of 50 and 70 uh, need an annual PSA and exam. Um, if you're African-American or if you have a strong family history, you need to start at age 40. Um, mm. Over the age of 70, the studies have shown that we're probably not saving lives by, by continuing prostate cancer screening. In terms of whether you need to do a rectal exam every year, I think that's subjective. I think that's a, a judgment call. Perhaps you can do the rectal exam every other year, every third year, as long as you're doing the PSA every year. Um, that's where it's a little bit of a gray zone. But, but to say you don't need to ever do rectal exams anymore, that's, that's honestly just lazy medicine. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Sure. I think that's all that's very important for our men to know, but also ladies, because we're the ones that kind of push the guys. It's like, hey, you know, you've reached the big five zero. I think you need to go take care of this. So thanks for sharing that. Sure now, Doc, if there were if you had to put your prescription pad down and there were three things that you would recommend a male patient to do, but you couldn't prescribe anything. Okay. Sure. Number one would be um, good quality sleep hygiene. And so I cannot emphasize enough how important sleep hygiene is. And so the number one thing would be to make sure you're going to bed at the same time every night. Um, I will use on my phone, there's actually a sleep app or a sleep function on the alarm that will tell you it's time to go to bed now so that you have to quit yeah. working. Um, good sleep hygiene includes uh, turning off your laptop, your, your phone, or any electronic device within three hours of bedtime, um, or use a blue light blocker or both. Um, uh, if you're going to watch TV, I recommend a blue light blocker as well um, because the light does uh, affect your melatonin production and growth hormone production as well. Um, 
it involves uh, good sleep hygiene involves uh, sleeping in a completely dark room. Your phone is off. It is not by your bedside with, you know, especially the Wi-Fi or even just the power on. Um, there is EMF coming from your phone, electromagnetic frequency. Um, there's EMF actually coming from your outlets of your bedroom as well. And so there's some people who will who will, will suggest that you actually turn the power off in your bedroom so that you don't have any EMF at all, which is very aggressive um, for the for the, the true um, uh, overachievers. Um, you know, cool, comfortable bedding, no light in the room whatsoever. That includes alarm clocks. That includes night lights, anything like that, because it does definitely affect melatonin production. Um, in terms of what you eat, I recommend that you avoid eating within three hours of bedtime. Um, some people are very sensitive to glutamate. Uh, glutamate is an amino acid that's in proteins and grains. And that grain or glutamate sensitivity can uh, uh, prevent GABA formation uh, in the brain, which is which is uh, a, a relaxing neurotransmitter. Um, mm -hmm. Too much glutamate can be disruptive, so I would recommend avoiding eating within three or four hours of bedtime as well. So those are all basically, you know, just some general sleep hygiene recommendations. Um, I go deeper with the clients I work with um, directly. Uh, so that's number one. Number two would be intermittent fasting. Um, I cannot tell you how powerful intermittent fasting is. I know you gals have talked about it a lot in the past on your on your show, so um, I won't dive too too deep into it. But I really recommend that guys do intermittent fasting, uh, sixteen to preferably eighteen hours a day. They fast and then they eat within an eight hour win a six to eight hour window. Mm -hmm. I also recommend at least once every other week, if not more often than that, that they do a full twenty four hour fast as well. Um, I think fasting is um, absolutely critical. The third thing I'll tell you is you guys got to move. Guys just got to get off their ass and move. Uh, <laughs> I see so many men who are executives or entrepreneurs are busy. They're in a chair all day and they're not moving. And I really emphasize four aspects of fitness that you need to incorporate throughout the week. One is strength training, resistance training. If you, if you don't have access to a gym or the gym is closed because of COVID, you can use body weight with squats and, and lunges and uh, crunches and push-ups and um, uh, exercise around the house you can do. I recommend some cardio as well. You got to uh, incorporate both uh, resistance and cardio. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely need some interval training as well, like sprints or um, um, hit uh, HIIT uh, training, and then stretching as well. You know, guys, once you hit 40, your body starts to fall apart, it seems. And so stretching is really critical. And I'll see guys start training with no stretching and they're injured and they're out for a month. And so stretching um, at least two to three times a week is super critical as well. So again, um, sleep, intermittent fasting, and get off your ass. I love it. <laughs> Wonderful. That settles that. <laughs> that happen. We have been um, towards the, we're getting closer to the end of the show. And then we want to have you tell the audience, how can they find you? If they want to work with you, if they have any questions, if they want to, do you do telemedicine as well? Thank you so much. I do telemedicine. Absolutely. Um, guys can find me on my website. It's uh, drtracygappin.com. And my book, uh, Mel 2.0, you can find on Amazon or um, you can get it through my website as well. Yeah. Men 2.0? Uh, Mel 2.0. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading your book. I just, I love reading and I have so much on women. And like I said, this is the time that I need to get dialed in more for my family. And, and because I do have some male clients or patients, not as many, but, you know, it's just like, I think the more that we, the more tools we have and we learn how to use them, I, we just have a better quality of life. So thank you so much. And I'm sending this to every single man. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. This is what the doc said, and we want we want male we want men that are 2.0, that a 1.0 man. We don't want him anymore. <laughs> we gotta raise an army of uh, you know male 2.0, and you're such a amazing example of that as a doctor, but it just as a human being, what you're doing, taking on the leadership of just being, you know, the head of household and providing for your family, but really just showing them this is the lifestyle that we need in order to live full functioning lives to be the best version of ourselves so we can serve. I mean, that's what we all got into what we're doing. It's to really serve, encourage, empower people to be the best version of them. So just thank you once again for just thank you. sharing your knowledge. Appreciate yeah. it. And to finish off one last question with something that you are grateful for today, we finish with gratitude. Uh, without question, me my two little kids. You know, back to the question of what is your why? My why are those two little ones, and um, I am so uh, grateful and amazed by them every day. And everything I do is really uh, with them in mind. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for that. We're both, all of us are parents, so I can totally yeah. resonate with that. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for being here with us today. It's been a wonderful show. I, I was taking notes as we went. <laughs> information but thank you so much Dr. Gavin. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, have a great day. All right. Bye, Bye. everyone.